What is up, listeners of the world? My name is Jalen Tully, and welcome to J Talks. Hey guys, long time no conversation. I know you're probably sitting here listening to this new episode and you're like, Jalen, where the hell have you been for the last, uh, I don't even know how long it's been, that's how long it's been. And uh, the answer to that question is, I really don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to try to explain it to you guys. So I have not uploaded an episode of this podcast in... Eight weeks, I think. Eight weeks, somewhere around the two month mark. It's been almost two months. It's been a while, um, and I definitely have some explaining to do because my last episode, I promised that I was going to start uploading regularly again, that they weren't going to be late, and then you don't hear from me for two full months. And I, I wish I had a better explanation to you than I've just been overwhelmed. But that is literally like the best explanation I can give to you. These last two months have been incredible. They've been great. I've really come to understand myself and be happy with myself and I've learned more about myself and become more of the person, not that I truly am, but I've become the person that I want to be and that has done wonders for my mental health. But in that time I was also struggling with my mental health itself. So it was a it was a weird time. It was a very weird time. Not to mention I was completely overwhelmed and working 5-6 days a week trying to, you know, still be a good student, still apply to colleges, dealing with the college application process. I also went through a breakup in that time, like just very weird, just a very weird time. That's the best way I can say it. And unfortunately, as I was kind of dealing with all of that stuff at once, this podcast took the brunt of it. This podcast really suffered. As you can see, as I'm sitting here two months after you guys have heard anything from me. But I I want you guys to know that I'm okay. Um, mentally, physically, emotionally, I am probably in one of the best points I've ever been in my life. Don't get me wrong, I still have a lot of work to do, as we all do, I think. But I, I, I just want you guys to know that, like, I'm not. It wasn't truly that bad. And when I say like I struggled with my mental health, like I was like, you know, having trouble finding out who I was at times. Like, it wasn't truly bad. I think it was just because. On top of everything else, I was also experiencing like a minor anxiety relapse. On top of everything else, I was also going through a breakup. On top of everything else, that spurred a small identity crisis within myself. And I don't want you guys to sit here and listen to me talk and think like, oh my gosh, Jalen is struggling. She's having a mental health crisis. She's having a mental health breakdown. Because that's not really what happened. And that's most certainly not what's happening. It's, it's more like, it's kind of just like my mental health just naturally wasn't wasn't imbalanced the way it usually is because of that stuff and also because of that and what partially made it worse was because I had so much other stuff going on that I wasn't really able to focus on my mental health in the way that I know it needed my attention and in order to try and find that time in order to try and reach that balance again I had to sacrifice putting time and effort into other things and voila because of that this podcast suffered and that's like that's kind of the best explanation I can give for you guys without talking about it for like 40 minutes because if I start and if I try to explain like the intricacies of what I was feeling and what I was doing in the past two months I, I literally would be talking for the length of two full episodes so 
That's kind of the best and most succinct explanation that I can give you, and I hope it suffices. But without any further ado, I got eight weeks to catch up on, and there has been a lot of shit going on. So let's jump into this shit. Like I said, we have a lot to cover over the time that I was not uploading episodes, but this week specifically, I want to tackle some of the problems on the home front that we are facing, such as a deadly pandemic that is further decimating our population because a large part of our citizens are refusing to get vaccinated and have a little bit of compassion for their fellow Americans. We have an abortion ban in Texas that just about outlaws every single instance of abortion within the state. And I want to top this episode off with a pretty... I, I like to think it's positive. A pretty positive personal story that happened to me actually a couple weeks ago at work. And I hope that it will open the floor up for a larger conversation to be had about what it will take for us to reach some sense of understanding within political parties, within races, within sexes, all of it. I think it. I think what happened to me in the conversation that I participated in is super important in more ways than one. So without wasting any more time, Let's get into it. All right, so I'm going to start by telling a little story from my personal life. So once upon a time, there was this intelligent, beautiful, amazing girl who happens to bartend at her local restaurant. In case you guys are confused, that beautiful, amazing girl is me. Um, and let's just say that a couple of her coworkers happened to get infected with the current pandemic that is going on, COVID-19. Um, it was a small handful of them, like two or three, I think, of my coworkers tested positive for COVID. Y'all should have been there. When I walked into work that next day, almost all of my coworkers went and got vaccinated. <laughs> and we're talking about how they wish they got vaccinated sooner. Because because none of my coworkers are vaccinated. I think you probably could have inferred that on my own, on your own. But it's like me and I, like, I could probably count on one hand how many of my coworkers, including myself, are vaccinated. Like, it's crazy. And so when this happened, I was, I was kind of in shock. Not, not, not necessarily because I was surprised at the outcome, so to say, but more so because the reaction that my workplace had when a few of our coworkers were infected with COVID-19 further solidified in my head that it seems to be especially young people who are refusing to get vaccinated it seems as though it's less about my rights my choice to get vaccinated I don't want to get vaccinated it freaks me out I want to trust I'll, I'll trust it once it's FDA approved I'll trust it once more people get it 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 just further solidified in my head that like it's less about that and more about the selfish, egotistical way of thinking of it's not going to impact me or affect me, so why do I give a shit? Like, that was... To, to see that in real time, and, like, I know that that's how Americans think. I know that that's how people have been thinking the entirety of this pandemic. Don't get me wrong, I'm not at all surprised. But to see it happen in real time was very disturbing. Very disturbing. And it just, it kind of made me think about the the broader conversation to be had about people not getting vaccinated about people not taking necessary precautions and necessary steps to protect themselves and their communities in light of what's going on right now in light of the pandemic that we are still currently fighting and i i want to have a conversation with you guys i actually recorded this part of the episode a couple of weeks ago because i was 
when, when all of this happened because I was just in such a rage that I was like, I have to get this out and it's going to be good. So I'm just going to save it. And then whenever I upload an episode next, I'll put it in there. Do be warned. I sound like a 65 year old that's been smoking since they were 10 years old because I was battling some ferocious allergies at that time and my allergy medication had not kicked in yet. So if I sound off, if I sound nasally, if I'm coughing a lot or sniffling a lot, that's why. I'm not, I don't have COVID. I had allergies. And just for context, this, this segment that I recorded preemptively is centered around the conversation that getting vaccinated is a choice that you should make, not for yourself, but for your community. Just, like I said, I just want to give a little bit of context before you guys listen to this. I know it's from a while ago. You know, because I, I have people in my life who, who haven't gotten vaccinated, and I have people in my life who, you know, don't want to get the vaccine, refuse to get the vaccine, whether it be for political, personal, or just overall they don't want to get it reasons, whatever the reason may be. I have people in my family, I have people I care about who have made that choice for themselves, and because of that, I not only have limited contact with them, but a lot of other people in their lives have done so. And I tell people that, like, that's not a reasonable thing to do. People get so angry. People get so angry because they're like, oh, you know, are, are you really that stubborn? Is your pride worth more than that? And I go, no, but my country is. Because can we all agree that that is the most un-American shit I have ever heard in my entire life? That my right to not get a vaccine is more important than my, than my fellow American? Than the person standing next to me? Are you kidding me? You truly and genuinely think that your liberties, your freedoms, your rights, and your, including your right to not get vaccinated, is more important than your country. That is the most un-American, unpatriotic shit I have ever heard in my life. And if you want to disagree with me on that, then that's fine. But you're not an American either. Because yes, a large part of the reason that people love this country and people want to come here is because of the freedoms, is because of the liberties that individuals have to make their own choices. But more than anything, people love this country because we collectively put in the effort to make it better time and time again. And that includes, but especially applies to, when a deadly pandemic has mutated and threatens our population. The weakest of us. Those of us who are most vulnerable. All me and anyone else is asking of you is to just have a little bit of compassion. That is it. It's a vaccine. It's not going to give you a miscarriage. It's not going to make you infertile. It's not going to give you a third eye. It's not going to make you magnetic or whatever the hell else you think is going to happen if you get vaccinated. People are dying. Families have to sit around a dinner table with an empty seat. Family gatherings, holidays are missing crucial members of those families. And you're talking about keys sticking to your skin. Do you realize how intrinsically selfish that sounds? And intrinsically, you know what? Like, y'all remember the beginning of this pandemic when people realized how much people who work on the front line of pandemics, people who work in hospitals, work with people, people who did those types of jobs and were constantly around people, constantly had to be in close proximity to people and specifically had to treat people with COVID. We were doing all we were busting out all the performative stops for them we were doing like flyovers and hospitals holding up signs and parking lots donating to gofundmes to get them you know better shoes and better masks and better equipment so they're comfortable all day like, like we were we were pulling out all the stops for those people but now a year and a half later those same people are asking you to get vaccinated because once again icu beds are filling up capacity in hospitals is meeting a limit and these people need your help again. 
And the one thing they ask you to do that could actually make their jobs easier, opposed to holding up a sign next to an ambulance in front of a window or paying millions of taxpayer dollars to have a couple of planes fly over, they are asking you to take one step. And that step being to get vaccinated. And you are straight up looking them in the eyes and not only saying no, but also telling them to fuck off, essentially. It just, it hurts my brain to think about this. It really, really does. Also, can we also, like, take a minute to, like, acknowledge the fact that if you get sick with COVID and happen to end up in the hospital or end up in the ICU, you are taking a bed away from someone who did not put themselves in that situation. And I say that obviously speaking generically because I know there are people who can't get vaccinated and I know that children still can't get vaccinated. So if those two groups of people, if people who genuinely can't get vaccinated right now are ending up in the hospital, obviously this does not include you. But people who I'm talking about who made the choice to not get vaccinated, who vehemently denounced the vaccine, you did it to yourself if you end up in the hospital with COVID. And not only are you doing it to yourself, but you're also taking a bed away from someone who did not do that to themselves. You're taking a bed away from someone who had a heart attack and needs to be in the... Oh, sorry, I just hit my microphone. But you, you're you taking a bed away from someone who could have had a heart attack and needs an ICU bed in order to recover. You could have been taking the bed away from someone who is undergoing cancer treatment or is, or needs a transplant to remove a cancerous organ. You could be taking the bed away from a mother who just gave birth or who just lost her baby and needs an ICU bed in order to recover from the traumatic events of giving birth. Like, do you not see how your selfish actions are not only affecting you? You're not going to be the only person that ends up sick if you don't get vaccinated. You are damning every other person in a chain reaction, the butterfly effect. A single drop of water is not responsible for the flood. You and your events affect everyone else's in this world, whether or not you want to admit that or not. Let's face it, nothing would be the same if you didn't exist. Your parents would probably have a different relationship. The people in your lives would never have met you. Like, everything is changed because of your existence. Take that how you may. But the same thing applies for when you make the decision to not get vaccinated because you are not just affecting you. Hi, this is Jalen from The Present again. I'm just coming to interject something really, really quickly. This section's almost over, actually, but I, I wanted to share something. One, I wanted to share a personal story, and two, I wanted to share a news story that I read a little bit ago. So first, I'm going to share the news story. I saw an article about a boy who had appendicitis, and he was waiting in the hospital for six hours before he was seen by a doctor. He was waiting nine in total before he could get into the OR, get on an operating table. His, append his appendix burst, I think, around hour six when he finally saw a doctor. He didn't get onto a table three hours after his appendix burst. All because the hospital was overrun with COVID-19 patients. The 12 he was 12 years old. I don't know if I mentioned that. The 12-year-old boy was fine. Um... The, the doctors managed to work their magic, surgeons managed to work their magic, he's fine, he's, he's expected to make a full recovery, but why should a 12-year-old child with appendicitis sit in a hospital waiting room for hours in excruciating levels of pain? And that's before his appendix burst. After his appendix burst, he's not only in excruciating levels of pain, but there is bacteria leaking into one of the most sterile parts of his body. You, like I said, you are damning everyone behind you who is going to suffer 
at the hands of your choice to not get vaccinated. Including a 12-year-old child whose appendix burst in a waiting room because he couldn't get help for over six fucking hours. Like, that Like that story astonished me. It, it broke my heart. Like, it, 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 and it infuriated me all at the same time. I felt all of those emotions at the same exact time. Because, like, I don't know how you can read something like that. I don't know how you can see something like that. I don't know how you can be aware that this is happening and still make the conscious choice to not get vaccinated. Now with, like, my own personal story, this one's way less traumatic. But, um, a, a, a couple weeks ago, I actually scratched my cornea really, really badly. Like, I went to, um, urgent care and the doctor, the nurse who was taking care of me, was like, this is the worst corneal abrasion I have ever seen. She sounded a little bit too excited when she said that, let me just say that, but, um, um, but point being, I was in a lot of fucking pain sitting in a waiting room with a scratched cornea. I was waiting for probably close to an hour because almost everyone in that waiting room had COVID and was waiting on COVID tests and needed to get treated for COVID. I was pissed. I was rip shit because this, this was how that day went. I got home. I actually went on a camping trip. That's probably how I scratched my cornea, but I went on a camping trip and I got home early that morning and my, my eye had been hurting. I, I, I drove home. It was like a 10 minute drive home. So it wasn't like too dangerous or anything, but I drove home and like, like my eye was blurry. It kept on itching. Like I kept on rubbing it because like, it just felt like there was always something in it. Like it hurt so bad. And then I got home and like, I kept on having to like keep it closed and I like the, like the, my discomfort level just kept on going up and it got to the point where like the pain got so bad where I would drop to my knees and just cry out and nobody else was home at the time. So I called my mom and obviously I'm like, I cannot drive like this. Like I cannot drive with one eye. That is probably very, very illegal. It definitely is very, very legal actually. So I called my mom and I was like, mom, you need to come home. Like you need to come home from work now and drive me to the, like the hospital or something. Like I cannot see out of my right eye. I think I scratched my cornea, like, what, like whatever. I'm in an excruciating level of pain. Um, so she came home, drove me to the doctors, and like I said, I was sitting in that waiting room for over 40 minutes, almost an, almost a full hour. And I, I was just sitting there just so angry, just grumbling to my mom the entire time. I was like, dude, sorry, but like, controversial opinion, hella controversial opinion, and I understand if people don't agree with me, but sorry if you don't want to get vaccinated, if you refuse to get vaccinated, that's fine. That's a choice that you can make for yourself. However, you should not be able to get medical treatment if you get COVID-19. And people probably hear that and they're like, Jalen, that is a terrible thing to say. Aren't you the person that says that healthcare should be universal and everyone should have access to safe, affordable healthcare? Aren't you the first person that says that healthcare is a right? You're completely right. Healthcare is a right. But apparently, getting vaccinated is a right too. And apparently, putting your faith in science and the medical professionals that for a year, 98% of them have been telling you to get vaccinated, that's apparently a right too. All of those are apparently rights. Especially because, like I said, there are people who did not put themselves in that predicament who actually need those ICU beds and hospital beds way more than you fucking do. Like me. The idiot who got dirt in her eye while she was camping and scratched her entire cornea off. Yeah, I do. I need that bed more than you do. But real talk, I, I know that like what I said was really what I just said was really controversial. But I don't think that's an outrageous way to think. And let me explain why. When I was a child, one of the first lessons that my mom instilled in me was that every single cause has an effect, and vice versa. Every single effect also has a cause. 
She allowed for me to make my own choices. She encouraged me to make my own choices. But every single time a choice was put in front of me and I had the option to choose, she reminded me that every single choice has consequences, whether they be positive or negative. My mom instilled that in me before I even learned about the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Like that was the first thing I remember from my childhood learning. She was never a parent that had to like sit down and tell me to do things, but she was the parent that like, oh, she, she's an evil, evil bitch, but I love her. And I, that's where I get all of my shit from. But you know, she did sit down and she was like, I'm not going to tell you to do anything. I'm not going to make you do any of this stuff, but whatever choice you make, whether you make the choice to do it or not do it, you're going to have consequences. You don't want to do your laundry tonight. That's fine. But your soccer uniform is going to be dirty for tomorrow. You don't want to wash your own dishes. That's fine. But you're not going to have dishes to eat off of for dinner. You don't want to clean your room or keep it clean. That's fine. But then you're not coming out and making the rest of my house dirty. <laughs> like she, like that was always the, the, the way she would present things to me, things that I needed to do and get done and keep done. That was always the way she presented them to me was like, you have every right. You have every choice to do them or not to do them. But whatever choice you make is going to have a direct outcome, is going to have an outcome directly linked to the choice that you made. And we don't seem to want to teach our own citizens that. We just let people think that they can make their own choices and that there's nothing that's going to come from those, that they are able to make whatever choices they want and continue to live lives normally, despite the fact that that's exactly what they're preventing the rest of us from doing. And it's just like, I don't know, that's just, that's just the way I think about it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that vaccinated people get to live this, unvaccinated people, I should say, get to live the same life that I do as a vaccinated person, even though I took all the necessary precautions, I got vaccinated as soon as I could, I do everything and take every step to protect myself and my community and the people within it. And like the fact that unvaccinated people get to enjoy those same liberties, it, it angers me so much, all because we are scared of upsetting people. And to bring it back to the point I just made, this is a direct effect of our causation of allowing for people to be entitled spoiled brats even into adulthood and as members, as contributing members of the society around them. They have never been told no in their life. They have never been shown that there is action, that there's consequences for each corresponding action that they decide to take. And so when it gets to a point where we need people to make the right choices for themselves and the people around them, and they are unable and unwilling to do that, and we just then let them continue to live lives normally, we can't be surprised when we start to put restrictions on these people and they get fucking angry. Because we've allowed for this behavior. We've aided and abetted in this entitlement. Like sand and carpet fibers, we have just been allowing for it to fester and eat away at our democracy. Oh, you, you, you hate black people? You don't want to be in a society with black people and you think black people need to, we need to go back to the 1960s when everything was segregated and black people were treated like shit? Oh, it's okay. You can just have your own group over there. You can have your little movements and your little KKK meetings. That's fine. Oh, you don't want to get vaccinated? You don't want to wear a mask? Oh, no, 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 no. That, that's fine. We don't want to make you too angry. You could just go over there and have your little group in meetings over there. That's fine. You can go to school board meetings and say whatever you want about your children and critical race theory. That's okay. Just go over there and do it. And then when it gets to a point where we need to put a stop to it and show people what it means to actually be functional members of society, we, we're scrambling trying to get trying to do it without upsetting these people. Why do we care about upsetting people who don't care 
about being functional members of the, of the society around them? Why do we care about people who very clearly don't care about the other Americans that they are hurting and infecting with a deadly disease? I just, oh, it, it infuriates. I could talk about this forever, <laughs> and it doesn't help that I haven't had a chance to, like, vent about it and talk about it in almost two months, but I'm, I'm gonna cut myself off because I've now been talking for almost 30 minutes, and I do have other stuff that I need to get to in this episode, so that's a wrap, folks. Get fucking vaccinated. Next things next, we do need to have a conversation about this Texas abortion ban that just went into place, not just because of the nature of the law, not just because of the nature of the abortion ban and why it's evil, disgusting, despicable, and violates a, a woman's personal autonomy, but there are specific pieces of this abortion ban that really makes it a little bit different than the others that have been passed that people have been enraged about. And this one specifically targets not just pregnant women and women who are seeking abortions, but almost everyone else in the community is affected by this as well. And that's what makes this very, very interesting. And that's what makes this abortion ban so enraging, among other things. The ban itself is centered around six weeks. So a woman can't get an abortion after six weeks, which a lot of people are angry at this because if you don't know, six weeks is before a lot of women know that they're pregnant. Um, periods happen in 21 to 28 day cycles, uh, which is about four weeks. So with that, with those numbers in mind, six weeks pregnant is two weeks late in your period. That's before a lot of women know that they're pregnant. And that's part of the reason why a lot of people are angry. This is going to really hinder a woman's ability to get an abortion within the time frame of when she'd know and when it would be ethically sound for her to get one. And by making that deadline before a lot of women even know they're pregnant, you are literally prohibiting almost all abortions. And that's why people are so angry. But with this law specifically, there's another part of it that is particularly disgusting. That being citizens in Texas who know about an abortion that's taken place and know about people involved in said abortion can sue all involved parties for up to 10 thousand dollars yes you heard that right so that means that someone could not only sue the woman who got an abortion for ten thousand dollars but they could also have the right to sue the doctor who performed the procedure the nurse who helped the woman recover the uber driver who got her there and this has created a ton of backlash and a ton of fear within the texas community I, I actually was watching, uh, I think I was watching Trevor Noah, actually. I was watching the Trevor Noah Daily Show. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. That's actually the way it's said. I don't know why I said it that way. And there was a woman who was reporting on this story in Texas, and she tried to get an Uber ride to the nearest Planned Parenthood so that she could record the segment. She wasn't even going to step inside the Planned Parenthood. She wasn't even going to have any procedures done or have any tests run. Like, she wasn't going to be a patient there. She was literally just going to stand in front of the Planned Parenthood and record the news segment for that night. She got denied an Uber ride, and the Uber rides got canceled three separate times once they saw the location she was going to. And once she entered in the manual address, instead of typing in plant that she wanted to go to Planned Parenthood, she had a ride immediately. And this is why, specifically, I wanted to talk about this, because as, as, a, as a cold-hearted bitch myself, I can always respect a good diabolical plan. And let me tell you, this abortion ban is probably one of the most diabolical plans that Republicans have ever come forward with, and let me tell you why. They know exactly what they are doing. They are not just restricting women from getting abortions. They are also vilifying these women. And not just women who are pregnant, not just women who need abortions, 
but all women. All women are going to suffer at the hands of this law. You are instilling fear in other people centered around events that have nothing to do with them. Let's face it, in the real world, if let's let's take these bounties out of the situation. Let's take, you know, the fact that you can now get sued for getting an abortion or aiding someone else in getting an abortion. Let's take that completely out of the equation. Someone else getting an abortion is never going to affect you. Someone else getting, a, getting an abortion is never going to affect me. That is part of the reason, actually, the main reason why I am pro-choice. Another woman's choice, another woman's abortion, another woman's personal trauma or tragedy or decision to get an abortion is never going to personally affect me, ever. I'm never going to have to pay a dime more in taxes because of it. I'm never going to have to see blatant human suffering because of it. Overall, I'm never going to have to suffer a social, emotional, or physical burden because of another woman's choice. And that is, like I said, the main reason why I am pro-choice is because women should have the right to make those decisions that literally affect no one else. But with this law put in place, you are now allowing for that choice to affect everyone else. You are now allowing people who might be pro-choice might not really care about abortions, might be open to the idea of letting women have the access to abortions and letting women have that right to choose, you are now going to turn them against those women. The doctors who are going to aid in those procedures, the nurses who are going to make sure those women are healthy and recovered from the procedure that they go through, the Uber drivers who have to get those women to and from those appointments... You are turning all of those people against women who get abortions, even though, let's face it, the women who get abortions are not the perpetrators in this situation. It's the government. But the government instilled that law, the government made that law, put it into place, and at the center of that law is women who get abortions. People are suing Uber drivers, people are suing doctors, people are suing nurses, people are suing outside parties, all because, quote-unquote, a woman decided to get an abortion. When in reality, this is happening because the government decided to interject themselves into a woman's business and body when they have no right to. And I think that this is a very emotional time. People are very scared. People are very fearful for themselves, for their financial situations, and what could happen to them if they aid in a woman getting an abortion, that they are just completely turned off at anything surrounding it. I mean, even the, that news reporter that just needed to get to a Planned Parenthood to record a segment for that night's news and do her job couldn't even have access to it. I mean, imagine how many women who need to get to Planned Parenthood to have access to birth control, need to get to Planned Parenthood to have rape kits done, need to get to Planned Parenthood to have cervical cancer screenings done. Imagine how many of those women are going to suffer because of this law, because Uber drivers and other people who, you know, help to get women to those places, help to get women to Planned Parenthoods and women's health facilities, there are going to be so many women who are unable to get the help and the medical services that they need because of this law. Like the, I, I just can't help but thinking of like the snowball effect, like all of the other people who are going to be affected because of this. The surrounding states of Texas have already seen a, a sharp increase in the amount of women coming from Texas and going out of state in order to seek abortions. There are women crossing the border the United States border and going into Mexico to get abortions because Mexico's abortion laws are more lax than the United States are, than Texas's are. I don't understand why abortion is such a big deal. 
And I don't understand how it's a big enough deal to the point where you're going to affect everyone in a given community negatively because of it. There are real people here. There are real contributing members of society. I'm not opening up a debate on whether or not fetuses are alive. I'm not opening up a debate about whether or not abortion is ethically sound. That's not what I'm talking about right now. But the point I'm trying to make is that there are real contributing conscious, sentient people in this society. There are children who are going hungry every single night. There are homeless people who haven't had a nice, clean, warm bed to sleep on with a roof over their head in years. There are people who are suffering, families who are starving, families who don't have electricity or Wi-Fi and are unable to participate in the societies around them because of the disadvantages that they face. And you have the money for abortion bounties. You have the money to quote-unquote save people, quote-unquote, save people, because fetuses aren't really people and you're not really saving anyone, but you have the money to save people who don't even exist yet, but you don't have the money to save people who are already here and who have already been suffering? That's what I don't get. Like, sorry, if you have money for abortion bounties, then you have money for universal child care. If you have the money for abortion bounties, you have the money for free and accessible birth control. You have the money to be able to give women access to adequate prenatal medical services. You have the money to be able to give women and men comprehensive sex education. You know, all things that actually are shown to reduce the number of abortions. But let's be honest for a minute here. This isn't about reducing the number of abortions. This is about controlling women. This is about telling women what they can and can't do in a society that is largely centered around patriarchy. And the part about this that I think is the most disgusting is like there's not even exceptions for rape or incest or if giving birth to the baby would harm or potentially threaten the life of the mother, which don't get me wrong, I think that those exceptions in abortion are almost just as, as disgusting as not allowing them because then you're saying that a woman that a woman's body has to be violated in order for her to have autonomy over it, which is a whole different conversation and I that I don't, really don't want to get into because I've already been talking for a really long time. But the fact that you won't even allow exceptions in those circumstances, the fact that you won't even allow exceptions if, if doctors have straight up told this woman that if you give birth to this baby, you are going to die and that baby is going to die, the fact that you can have doctors perform rape kits, you can have them go to the police that they've been raped and then nine months later they still have to give birth to that baby, that is evil to me. That is evil. Absolutely despicable. And at the same time, you're still turning everyone in society against her. Time and time again, you are still allowing people to channel their hatred, channel their oppression, channel their judgments to these women who quite possibly have to make one of the hardest choices of their life. Do they become a mother when they're not ready, can't physically handle it, can't financially, emotionally handle it, don't have the socioeconomic means, don't have the financial means to be able to support a child, don't have the support of the people around them to be able to support a child. You are forcing a woman to choose that life, choose a life of suffering in that way, or, or she has to make the choice to have an abortion. Already, I have so much sympathy for people in those situations because, like I said, that, that would probably be the hardest choice of my entire life. I mean, what, like, if I got pregnant right now, I genuinely don't know what I'd do. So, any woman who is in those situations, any woman 
who has been forced to make that choice, my heart is with you, even if our societies is not. And it's very clear that our societies has absolutely no sympathy for you. And I know that listening to a stranger talk through a microphone probably doesn't mean much, but know that I have sympathy for you. I just, I can't believe that you're being forced to make that choice, a choice that is already so difficult to make, while at the same time the society around you is blaming you for something that has happened to you. Because let's say, for argument's sake, let's say that you decide to not that you decide to get an abortion because you do not have the financial means to be able to raise a child right now, which is respectable. Children are really expensive. But there could be someone waiting outside the door for you at the abortion clinic, ready to hand a lawsuit into your hand for $10,000. How does that make any sense? How does that make any sense? The thing I find most interesting about abortion, and I promise this is going to be like the last point that I make before I wrap this uh, section up, But the most interesting thing about the conversation around abortions that I find is the fact that abortion is the one medical procedure that people seem to blame you for, regardless of how you got there. Like, if if someone drives drunk, hits a tree, gets into an accident, they need medical attention, they get it. They, They go to the hospital, they get whatever surgeries, whatever treatments they need. Nobody questions it. You climb a tree and fall and break your leg. Again you go to the hospital, you get whatever medical help that you need, nobody bats an eye. You smoke for your entire, you smoke cigarettes for your entire life and end up with lung cancer and need treatment for cancer. Again, people are so willing to do it. It would, it would be seen as evil if someone turned you away from the hospital because you put yourself in that situation. But God forbid, God forbid a woman has sex and gets pregnant and doesn't want to be pregnant anymore and doesn't want to keep the pregnancy, suddenly it's, you got yourself into this situation and you deserve no medical help or compassion. This is your fault and now you have to deal with the consequences. That's crazy to me, especially because we seem to be like a very, like, we we are very selfish. We are a very narcissistic nation and I feel comfortable saying that. And one of our stances is like, oh, I don't want to pay for that person's health insurance. I don't want to pay for that person's medical treatments. And that is so interesting because abortion is the one medical procedure that taxpayer dollars can never pay for. Taxpayer dollars will never be used to fund abortions. Ever. But like I said, if someone jamoke who has smoked cigarettes their entire life or drunk drove and got into an accident needs medical help and they don't have insurance, guess what's funding that? Guess who's gonna pay for that shit? Yeah, that's right. Us, the taxpayers. And again, nobody seems to get angry at that. I just, I don't know. Like, as a person with compassion, I have a really hard time understanding why shit like this is necessary. I have a real hard time understanding why we're prioritizing the the lives, quote-unquote, of unborn babies, of fetuses, over the lives of people who are already living, who are already here, who are already suffering. There is going to be... 25,000 people who die from hunger-related causes today. 25,000 people across the world, across the globe, who succumb to starvation and hunger-related causes of death today. 10,000 of those are going to be children. 10,000 children across the world are going to die of starvation today. And you're using money that could be used to save them funding abortion bounties. 
What about the almost 30,000 children in the foster care system in Texas right now? What are we going to do about them? What are we going to do to make sure that they get homes and that they feel loved and that they have all the resources they need to be successful and do well in the world around them? What about the 3,300 children waiting for adoptive families in Texas right now? What, what resources are you giving to them? Where, is, where are you finding the money to support them? You know, the children who were born and weren't wanted and who are still here waiting to find families. Which, if I recall, is always the way that you say women should go around not being able to get an abortion. Oh, put the child up for adoption. There are thousands of children up for adoption because you have prevented women from getting abortions. And none of them have families. Oh my god, every single person, every single person who's ever said that, just put the child up for adoption. I don't know why you have to get an abortion. If you don't go out and adopt one of those children right now, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Because like I said, 30,000 children waiting in the Texas foster care system right now. 3,300 waiting for adopted families. Where are you? I just, oh my gosh, my, my, my head hurts thinking about it. My head literally hurts thinking that this is a priority that we are really, that we really have. Preventing women from getting abortions. Because we're, we're so pro-life and we care about the lives of the baby. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. If you cared about the lives of children, do something about the almost 40,000 kids in Texas right now that don't have families. And that most of them probably will never have families because... Statistically speaking, most of the kids in the foster care system end up aging out of it, and they never actually get adopted. Also, enough with this pro-life bullshit. You're not pro-life, you're anti-choice. Everyone thinks that the opposite of pro-choice is pro-life, and that's not true. Because if you were actually pro-life, there wouldn't have been a drone strike in Afghanistan last week that killed an aid worker and destroyed cases of water. Which, by the way, is a human rights violation and is a war crime. <laughs> Which, you know, let's... Let's start getting into that. If, if we're really as pro-life as we like to think we are, if America's really a pro-life country, Republicans, if you're really the pro-life party, how about taking a look at all the other stuff that you're doing to literally violate people's lives and end people's lives every single day? How about we let Haitian refugees into this country instead of allowing border agents riding horses to whip them with their reins? People... Mothers and fathers who are carrying toddlers on their backs are getting whipped with leather because they are trying to cross the border and make a better life life for themselves. Where's the pro-life humanity for them? Where's the pro-life humanity for all of the Middle Eastern people who we've who we've gunned down for the sake of profit, for the sake of drilling for oil or selling weaponry to terrorist organizations overseas? Where's the pro-life compassion for the 25,000 people across the world who are going to die of starvation today. And I know where it is. It doesn't exist because pro-life compassion isn't real. You're not pro-life, you're anti-choice. Let's call this what it is. For once, I am asking us to be honest with ourselves. And I know that's a lot to ask because statistically speaking, our record with being honest with people about our history and about our intentions isn't that great. <laughs> but just this one time, I think that... Everyone could benefit from knowing the intentions of what this law does to people and of what this law means. The intentions are not to save fetuses. The intentions are not to save babies. And the intentions are not to create families. 
The intentions are to destroy lives. The intentions are to prevent women from obtaining positions of power in society because when you force them to carry through the burden of a pregnancy that they do not want, that they are not ready for, that they cannot financially handle, you are dooming them and preventing them and making it harder for them to move up in society and advance in society as a woman, which is already hard enough. Because you know what's what exa- what's going to happen. You know that now that Texas passed that law, there are going to be a bunch of other southern states. There are going to be a bunch of other states in general that pass similar laws. I mean, I live in New Hampshire. Our governor just passed one of the most, actually the most, restrictive abortion law that my state has ever seen. Oh, my God. Can we just, like, focus on real issues for just a minute? Just a minute, can we focus on the people who are actually here, the people who are actually suffering, the people who actually need our help? Fetuses don't actually need our help. They are not sentient. They are not here. They, like, I just, I don't know why it's such a hard concept to grasp. I just really, really don't. Overall, you guys, reducing a woman's access to abortion does not reduce the number of abortions. It just reduces the number of safe abortions. If you actually want to reduce the number of abortions that are being had in society, I already said it before, you need to increase the number of resources that women have access to leading up to pregnancy. You need to improve and support adequate and accurate sex education. You need to find ways to fund free, accessible birth control, whether that be an IUD, whether that be the pill, or whether that be goddamn condoms. Find ways to get free and accessible forms of birth control to everyone in your population who wants and needs it. And more than anything, make sure that women are supported through and after pregnancy. This is such an important piece of it. Make sure that women have access to prenatal and natal medical care. Make sure that women have access to all of the drugs, along with all of the necessary technologies and treatments that they might need during their pregnancy to ensure that they give birth to a healthy baby and to make sure that they are also ensured good health after they give birth. And after that fact, make sure that women and families have access to child care and affordable child care at that. And I also want to note that these aren't just things that benefit women. These aren't just things that prevent the number of abortions that women are having, that prevent the number of women who get pregnant on accident or get pregnant against their will. This also benefits society because the less that women are pregnant, the more that they're able to work. The more that women are able to work, the more they're being a contributing functional member to the society around them. The more they're able to do that, the more money they're able to make for the society around them as well. Weird how that cycle works. And the same is true after women give birth and after families have that baby. The less that mothers and fathers have to stay home and care for their children, because let's face it, parenting is a full-time fucking job that nobody gets paid for. So the less that parents are actually having to be hands-on, if they have access to that childcare, if they have access to affordable or universal childcare, again, that's more time they'll be able to work. That's more time they'll be able to make money for the society around them. But we already established that. These laws were not made to benefit the greater society. These laws were not made to benefit women or the children that are being born when women don't want them. This is literally meant as a way to control women. This is literally meant as a way to control the amount of freedom that a woman has over her body and the choices that she can make over her body. 
it's just it's heartbreaking that that's that that's the logic that that's the reasoning that republicans and let's face it white men have for creating these laws because if they just took a step outside of themselves and stopped with their weak attempts at power grabs they would see that they actually have the power to make everyone's lives in their society better including reducing the number of abortions that are had just weird how that all works isn't it real talk you guys um I'll leave links in the description for Planned Parenthood where you can donate, uh, links for other funds, other groups, other organizations that are working to support women in this very tumultuous time right now. I'll leave a bunch of links in the descriptions. Please feel free to go donate. Please feel free to educate yourself. Please feel free to educate the others in your community because it is, it is disgusting that this is still happening. It is disgusting that the men in our society are still thinking that this is an acceptable way to treat the women here. That is all I'm going to say about this topic from now on. I'm sure I'll be back to talk about it more because, like I said, abortion is really something that we are fixated on. But for the time being, this is all I have to say about this topic, and I really hope we can learn to do better as a nation. Alright, the final topic before I wrap up this week's episode actually revolves around a conversation that I had with a customer a couple weeks ago at my place of work. I mentioned it a million times, but as you guys probably know, I bartend. And with that line of work comes a lot of interesting, let's say, conversations with people that I've never met. Most of those conversations, I'm going to be honest with you, I probably don't remember for longer than a couple of minutes after they end. They are unimportant. They're pretty nuanced. They don't really have a whole lot of meaning to me. I'm probably tuned out for most of them as well. But some of the conversations I have genuinely do stand out, whether they be for negative or positive reasons. But this specific conversation did stand out for a pretty positive reason, and it also forced me to come to grips with the prejudice that I harbor inside of myself, and some of the preconceived notions I have about other people in society, which, by the way, does not happen very often, so whenever someone prompts that out of me, I'm always a little bit impressed with them. But pretty much this was what happened. I was setting up the bar one day, and we had actually just opened, so a couple of gentlemen came up, they were white, they were older, probably mid to late 60s, um, and there is no doubt in my mind that these men have voted Republican in every single election that they have submitted a ballot in. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, because I'm not ashamed of my self-preservation tactics, I'm not ashamed of how I act around people like this, because I know I do it to protect myself, and I know that some of these people might really want to hurt someone who looks like me, you know, a small Bi clearly biracial, a lot of people, I, I would just prefer to myself as black, but, you know, a small black girl, and a small outspoken black girl at that. So, of course, you know, I, 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 I can feel the tenseness in my spine as these men come to sit up at the bar, because I already know the type of conversations that are probably going to be had, I already have a preconceived notion of how this is probably going to go, and that I'm probably just going to, you know, have small talk, and then, you know, breathe a sigh of relief once they walk out of the bar. But they sit down and, you know, I introduce myself, you know, I'm going to be their bartender tonight, blah, 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 blah. I get them started on drinks. And one of the gentlemen leans over to me and utters words out of his mouth that sends chills down my spine and makes me break out in gooseys because I, I, get, I just get so tense thinking that I know where this is going to go. And I was wrong. But 
he, he asks me, he goes, do you believe all of this race stuff is real? And I'm, 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 of course, I'm taken aback for a second because, you know, I'm like, oh, like, what? well, I'm not really taken aback. Like, I'm surprised because, again, I, w- I was kind of prepared for this but in a way, so to say. But I'm, I'm taken aback because I don't know what I want my response to be. Because I have this preconceived notion of this man in my head that he is ignorant. He does not want to understand someone like me. I mean, a lot of these situations, people have asked me questions like that. And when I take it upon myself to answer them honestly, they'll get angry at me and they'll shut down and they won't want to hear what I have to say because what I have to say in response to a question like this can be uncomfortable. And more than anything, it's thought-provoking. It forces you to recognize what I as a black woman deal with in a society that you as a white man will never have to even think about. And so I I, I think for a couple of seconds and I go, yeah, without a doubt, I think that I get treated differently and I get treated in ways that you never have to think about. And I kind of turned it around on him in a way. And I said, even now, I mean, would you have asked me that question if I was white? And I immediately saw the gears turning. I immediately saw this man starting to process what I said. And I was like, oh, fuck, he's going to start screaming at me in my place of work. Like, I'm going to have to have a really embarrassing conversation with my manager later. And instead, he, he takes a couple seconds and he goes, wow. I was not expecting that answer. He goes in in what ways? And I and I, and, I, and again I reiterated that you know he wouldn't have asked me that question if I was white and you know I mean my my first and I told him I was like my first time being called a racial slur I was I was seven years old and I was grocery shopping with my mom and you know that's a day that I will always remember that's an instance that I will always remember I you know and I I, I told him some just some like other nuanced experiences like you know the fact that I can't go into a Target or Walmart without getting followed or asked to show my receipt. But, you know, very clearly making the point that I am treated differently than he is. He kind of looks at me and then puts his head in his, head in his hands and just shakes and goes, wow, this is, he's like, you just changed my life. He's like, I didn't think any of this was real. He's like, I thought people were just been making this shit up for the last year just to get mad at each other and just to create, you know, fights and ways to, and reasons to hate each other for the last, you know, year. For the last year that all this political stuff has been going on, he's like, I didn't actually think that you you and people like you experience stuff like that. And I go, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a it's definitely real. Um, you know, I, I and I was like, that's just a couple of examples, but I mean, I've I've been treated differently my entire life. I never get to forget about the fact that I'm black. And he, you know, he he apologizes profusely, and I I genuinely think I. I brought this man close to tears a couple of times because, I mean, he just, he kept on asking me questions about, you know, how I feel about everything going on. He, he asked me questions specifically about, like, critical race theory. He was like, you know, I think that that's horrible. I think that, you know, stuff like this is awful. He's like, but I don't want it being taught to my kids. And I said, you know, well, if it's not taught to your kids, then who is going to end these patterns? If your kids don't understand that this is something that I experience, if your kids don't understand that this is something that's real then how are they going to be the ones to stop it? How is anyone going to be able to grow from this? And I followed up that sentence by saying, you know, if if I had to experience racism at seven years old, if I had to be called a nigger in the grocery store at seven years old, don't you think it's, it's the least you could do to have your kids learn about it at seven years old? I mean, if I'm young enough to experience racism, aren't you old enough to learn about it? And 
again, you know, the wheels were turning and he said, again, I never thought about it like that. You know, you just, you've opened my eyes so, so much. And we ended up, like, we ended up talking for like almost 30 minutes and just, you know, having the conversations and I just was answering his questions and, you know, just acknowledging his concerns and his feelings and what he had to say. And he said, you know, I, I really appreciate you talking to me about this. I really appreciate you sitting me down and having this conversation. He's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people would have just shut down and would have had their preconceived notions about me. And I said, oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I definitely did. You know, I definitely felt a stiffness in my spine when I saw someone like you asking me that question. And I said, but not because I feel hatred for you, not because I feel, you know, that you are less than, than I am but because I assumed that you would be the one to shut down once you heard an answer that you weren't comfortable with, once you heard an answer that forced you to compartmentalize and relearn everything that you've been taught. And, you know, he kept, he, he, he told me that I changed his life and that he's learning so much from me at least two dozen times during that conversation. And he kept on, like, putting his head in his hands and just, like, like, I, like, like, I genuinely, like, think I ruined that man's day. <laughs> I genuinely think I changed his entire outlook on life. And at one point, I was talking to him after that point, actually, after when he was like, you know, I really appreciate you sitting me down and having this conversation with me. And I said, you know what, I think I, think I need to be thankful that you were open to having this conversation just as much because people see someone like you and people see someone like me and they don't think that we're able to sit down and have a conversation like this when in reality we've both transcended boundaries today you I would feel comfortable saying more so than I have but the fact that we were able to sit down and have a conversation and talk to each other and I was able to you know shed light on an issue that you haven't really been forced to think about or you haven't really cared about for your entire life you know, this is what we need. We need more people who are able to sit down and have these conversations. We need more people who are able to listen to answers that might be really uncomfortable to hear, but that they know is true. I mean, what would I gain from lying to these men about what I've experienced? What would I gain from, you know, exaggerating it or making stories up? He asked me an honest question and I gave him honest answers. And I am, like I said, even to this day, I'm so thankful that he took it in a way that was appropriate and took it in a way that allowed for him to compartmentalize what he was feeling and what he was thinking in that moment and what it meant for not just his life in terms of all of the life that he's lived as a privileged white man, but his life going forward and what that would mean for the relationships that he has around him. And don't get me wrong, I am about 80% sure that that man left the bar that day and has probably not really changed how he's lived his life. Probably not nose deep in Malcolm X's autobiography or reading Maya Angelou before he goes to bed every single night. He's probably not donating to Black Lives Matter or the NAACP or involving himself in the communities around him. He's probably not taking it upon himself to sit his families down and have those same uncomfortable conversations. But I am honestly just happy that he listened. And I know a lot of people, particularly white liberals, will look at that interaction and look at how I know he probably walked away from that situation and be like, him listening was the bare minimum. Why are you proud of someone for the bare minimum? Because we've allowed for people to get away with not even doing that. And so we've created an atmosphere where doing the bare minimum now takes work. I think if it was a decade ago... 
I think doing the bare minimum, sitting down and listening to a black person talk about racism and talk about what they've experienced, I think it would have been much easier to do that a decade ago than it is to do it now. Because given the political turmoil that we've experienced in the last couple of years, actually in the last several years with the Trump presidency, given the cavernous divide, now even more cavernous divide that we have between political parties, between races, between sexes, between, you know, members of the LGBT community and straight people, it is so much harder to bridge that divide now and have those conversations across those lines, across party lines, across race lines, that when someone takes it upon themselves to give me time and give me their ear and just sit down and listen to what I have to say, I am extremely proud of them. And maybe that's a fault on my part. Maybe I should not be that proud of someone for, again, just doing the bare minimum. But like I said, I think we have to take into account the fact that doing the bare minimum is so much harder today than it was a decade ago because we have been fostering these ideas and we've been allowing for people to get away with being awful and to get away with being ignorant. We've normalized ignorance in a way that I don't think we ever really have before. And so because of that, it's that much harder for people to combat their ignorance because they see it as something to be proud of instead of something that they need to change. Like I said, that man probably left the bar and has, he might have not even thought about me since then. He might not even remember my name or remember any of what I told him. And that's fine. That is genuinely fine. But the point is that he came into the bar, he asked me a question, and he listened to my honest answer. And to that, I just want to, I want to tell that man thank you. He's probably never going to listen to this podcast. Um, Like I said, he probably doesn't even remember my name. But if for some reason you happen to stumble across this episode and end up listening to an hour of me talk and you are hearing this right now, I want to say that I appreciate you. I want to say that I appreciated your patience. I appreciated the fact that you took the time to expand your mind. And I appreciated the fact that you listened to me. Because as a black woman in America, not a lot of people take the time to do that. And when someone who is probably eons away from where I am politically is so far across the political divide than I am, is so much further is so much further away from me in ways that a lot of people think we couldn't transcend those differences and you still took the time to listen to me. When people who are in the same political corner that I am won't even take the time to listen to me. Like as a black woman in America, I just want to say thank you. Because not only did I feel heard in that moment, but I also felt safe in that moment. And that's something that I don't feel very often, especially not when I'm at work. So again, I just wanted to say thank you to that man. And I wanted to encourage all of you, all of the listeners, to have more of these conversations with the people in your life, whether it be family, whether it be strangers that you meet at the supermarket, whether it be friends, whoever happens to prompt those questions, whoever happens to prompt the answers out of you, answer those questions honestly. Answer them in ways that prompt thinking and prompt growth. Be honest with not just the people who ask you the, these questions, be honest with the people who not just who don't just prompt these conversations out of you, but also be honest with yourself and figure out what you yourself have to come to grips with in moments like these because like I said I after he walked away I was like wow I kind of feel like shit right now because I expected him to walk into the bar and you know be a racist sexist misogynistic pig and he might still be but in that moment I didn't see that I just saw a human talking to another human and trying to understand what they experienced 
So again, I hope I hope this it, this inspires you to go out and have these conversations with other people. Um, I, I I think that genuinely a lot can be solved in this world. A lot of pain, a lot of hatred, a lot of misunderstanding can be solved in this world with a good conversation. And I think that when we take it upon ourselves to promote those in our everyday lives, we actually make a much bigger difference than we think. And we actually impact people in ways that we otherwise would not even be able to fathom. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that we have that ability. And I'm, I'm gonna, I promise that I'm gonna use everything within me to continue to use that power that I have. All right, we are going to wrap up this week's episode. Wow, what a doozy. We covered a lot of stuff this week. We really, really did. Um, again, I'm sorry for going MIA and dropping off the face of the earth for the last two months, but I promise, pinky swear, cross my heart, hope to die, I am going to start uploading regularly. And I'm not only going to start uploading regularly, but I'm also going to start uploading on Sundays on the days that I'm actually supposed to upload and not, you know, two or three days later. You have my word, but then again, you also had it before, so it's not really worth a whole lot. But right now you have my word. I don't think I'm going to do it in my rotation this week one because I've already been recording for an hour and 15 minutes and this episode is going to be so long, but more than anything, I can't really think of new content that I've, I, I know that I've, I've, I know that I've ingested new content in the last two months. I know that I've read new books and watched new movies and watched new shows, but just right now, I just cannot think of any for the life of me. So... This week, I'm going to hold off. I'll have something new for you next week, though. That is a promise. So with all that out of the way, you guys, this week's episode's coming to a close. If you enjoyed it, if you learned something, if I helped you see something from a different perspective, please feel free to subscribe for weekly episodes that come out every Sunday or will start coming out every Sunday again. Also, feel free to rate and review. It helps me so, so much and helps other people enjoy the podcast just like you. Also, feel free to share it with other people in your circle, other people you think would enjoy this podcast, whether it be your family, your friends, the friends of your family, the family of your friends. Also, be sure to follow me on all of my social media platforms. All of my handles are just at Jalen Tully, since I like to make it simple for y'all. <sighs> and now I think we're finally coming to the end of this week's episode. And you guys already know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyways, because it is important. Always be sure to leave this episode, every episode before and after now, ready to educate often, learn freely, and always, always, always love equally. Because sometimes all we need to cross the political divides that seem to separate us so much as people is a good conversation. Have a great week, you guys. I will talk to you next Sunday.